Deep in the bowels of Moore Hall Podcast Room, two mild-mannered CM Life newspaper editors harbor an unknown power. With this power comes great responsibility. Hearken now your ears to the raving geeks! Hello, Central Michigan University. This is Ben Solis. Oh, and this is Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton's very tired today. Sorry. And we are the Raving Geeks, back here again for another fine episode in the middle of the week. Episode 365, if you're keeping track. Mm-hmm. We've been a whole year so far. Every single day. All day. Every day. In the Raving Geek universe. So we got some uh, some news coming up. Uh, little things. A little. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off a little piece. Something that makes me very happy. Finally. After all this crazy rumor... I know when the Batman Superman trailer is going to be. Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. Oh, boy. That's a good pairing, actually. Double, double dose of awesomeness. Are you? Would you have seen Mad Max without that? Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, I really like the Mad Max uh, line, if you will, the fran- franchise. The franchise. Sure, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually geek out quite a bit. I, uh, I sync music to the Mad Max movies. I have, like, a couple different albums that I've synced up to those, those movies. Really? Like work. what? Uh, well, King Crimson works perfectly. Uh, I take red and then lark's tongue and aspic, and do it back to back. This is so over my head right it now. It is ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, it's like prog rock, Ooh, super nerd. I went, yeah, we went, we went geekier than what you were able to handle. I, I like prog rock, but I just have no knowledge of it whatsoever. Surely, we'll sit down one day. Yeah, and we'll we'll geek out. I enjoy it, but I just don't know what any of it is. Uh, you know it's, what I mean, it's pretentious. Yeah, much like this podcast. <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, I really like Mad Max. I think it's really cool. I think Mel Gibson is kind of a uh, a jerk. Hmm. Um, to say lightly. To, to say it very lightly. Yeah. But I'm really happy that Tom Hardy is now Max. I didn't know Max had a last name. Me neither. It's I like, thought his last name was Max and his it, first name was Matt. It's something, yeah, right? <laughs> it's something ridiculous, like some very Australian, like, but it also like, sounds almost like Japanese. Like, it's like Katayami or something like that. Katayami Dingo or something? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, Mad Max actually looks, the new one actually looks pretty cool. I've heard that the entire movie is like a nonstop, like, explosion car chase. Yeah. Which yeah. sounds really appealing. And to all me. of it looks really cool. I mean, really that, stylized, too. Yeah, it's weird because um, that first one was kind of. Um, yeah, it's hard to explain. It, it looked just kind of like a low budget film. You yeah. know what I mean? There was a lot of cool shots in that movie. Um, but I think Road, Road Warrior really kind of upped the game of making this like really super dystopian kind of thing. Which one was. Okay, which one was uh, hum- Humongous in? Was that Mad Max or was that The Road Warrior? I think that was Road Warrior. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Unless if it was Thunderdome. No, it wasn't Thunderdome. So it was probably, that was probably Road Warrior yeah. then. Because uh, there was only a few of these like marauder characters yeah. in the first Mad Max. In fact, they were just a gang. As opposed to being like this like huge civilization of these marauders. Yeah. It was just like a small gang of them. Now it kind of led up to the story that like this this civilization of marauders existed outside and that's they were the cops and they were trying to bring these guys down. But it was more of like in a gang context in that first one. So Mad Max was the first one and then the Road Warrior yep. was the second Mad one. Mad Max, okay. Road Warrior, and then uh, Thunderdome was my favorite, I think. I think Thunderdome is ridiculous. That's why I like it. Only because just the, there's so much much weird crap going on master blaster man yep jeez <laughs> master blaster wow wow but no this one's cool because it looks like a really cool weird anaglum between the first one and road warrior it almost like and just from i guess the trailers that i've seen it almost looks like it has some like Zack snyder influences like yeah. these big like epic sandstorms like and yeah. just i don't know really like the flame like the colors of the flame are like really stylized sure. you know like they really pop in like contrast with what's sure. going on in the background well there's all that cgi stuff but even like what i even because yeah that's totally true but there's like some shots where you can just see like these very wide 
wide angle shots and like this almost kind of like one point perspective. Yeah. And that's very, very George Miller. It's uh, kind of harkening back to the way he used to make movies. From the mastermind, right? That's how it's From the tagged. mastermind of Mad Max. Which I don't know if you call that guy a mastermind. Another Mad Max movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His mind, did, if he had that much mind mastery, perhaps. He George Miller didn't really do much other than these Mad Max movies. That's all I really know him you for. Know? I mean, I guess like when you look at like the context of sci-fi, they are pretty revered, but you know, they are cult films. They're, yeah. Yeah. You like them or you don't. But I'm excited because that's really cool. I definitely would go see Mad Max. Uh, how I heard about this is uh, Junkie XL, who did all the sound design for Man of Steel. He's, he's an electronic producer. He's been around for decades. Um, within the last decade, he started doing sound design for movies and started doing film scoring, too. Uh, when Hans Zimmer decided that he was too attached to Christopher Nolan's Batman to come up with the score for Batman himself, he enlisted Junkie XL, who was doing sound design. Anyway, said, hey, how about... How about, how about you get a slice? Little kid. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Hans Zimmer. But yeah, he uh, they're, so they're splitting duties, which is kind of cool. So, you know, Hans is going to remake and kind of build on the Man of Steel themes, which is kind of sweet. That's interesting, actually, yeah. that they have two composers working on the different themes. That's a really cool idea, I know, actually. it is. That's, that's why I was really excited about this. But he tweets pretty regularly. He's got a pretty big social media presence. He's been tw- like tweeting a little bit of his progress here and there. Um, his the, God, if you can. So I don't know. You're you're into music, you know, but yeah, sure. You're not like technically like a mad musician, no. But it's but uh, he tweets pictures of his like synthesizers and like his studio boards, and good god, man, it looks like you know he's like in Tron. Like, yeah. he looks like he's got a command station. So it's it's gonna be really cool. But he tweeted out that hey, if uh, it's like you know, we're we're gonna see the movie here pretty soon. Me and Hans just saw the movie. It's like okay, so the movie's done. That's good. And then everyone's like, well, when's the trailer coming out? And it's like, uh, it might be attached to a really fun movie. I don't know. I didn't even know that they would they were done filming. So they're done with post-production and everything? Everything like is supposedly done. Really? If they're showing it to Hans and Junkie XL for just, you know, Like scoring? Kicks. Yeah. I mean, most of the score's already written. Yeah, but they, they have to, like, time it, don't they? Yeah, or, they or is do. that not in their control? Um, I think it's a little bit of a collaborative process. It's a little bit of both of them. Yeah. See, that's what I, that brings up an interesting point. Is that score already put with the film, or are they doing that timing right now? Because right. from what I understand from that tweet was, film's done, and we're watching it at this point. Interesting. For anything that we might need to want to change. So. Well, Mad Max is debuting in May 15th. Yep. So that's what's, a, what's the release date on Batman v Superman? Oh, not until next year. Yeah, so yeah. what's what's the holdup then if the movie's like essentially done? Are they going to campaign this thing for about a year? Probably. Because I know they didn't. They don't want to release it this year because they didn't want to go up against the Avengers. No, not at all. And then the, the, the silly thing was is that it's going to go up against Civil War now. Well, they had to change the date and all yeah. this other stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, next year is going to be insane. But, I mean, originally, like we talked about, it was delayed because Affleck got hurt. Not quite the Batman, I guess we... Uh, we wanted. He's pretty old, though. He is pretty old, man. He's pretty old. His legs are creaking these days. Yeah. So they did to get delayed, but at the same time, yeah, you're probably right. They probably just want to hype the living crap out of this. I mean, with with them being the only you know main comic entity other than the subsidiaries at Comic Con this year, really blowing it up. WB. Yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? So when is this uh, this whole Disney Con that they think they're going to unveil all of this? Marvel I don't know. Stuff? I, I you know I don't have any more information on that. I type in Disney Con in my Google, and the first thing it shows up is Disney conspiracy theories. Oh great! <laughs> Show us your Comic Con cosplay. All right, and Disney Wegos. <laughs> Disney in Fuegos. El Fuegos. Yeah. Uh, August. Nope, that's not right. That's that was D twenty three. That was. That's the fan event. Yeah. yeah. No. 
Nope. This isn't it. I honestly don't think that they have it all planned out yet. Uh, Expo truth. Expo 2015. Oh, here uh, we go. Here we go. Well, these, are when, these are when tickets are available? Yeah. I don't know. Forget it. Who cares? Yeah. Disney's going to do their own thing. Well, uh, talking about kind of some DJ equipment looking very futuresque, mm. uh, it's been announced now that Tron 3 Ooh. is uh, is a thing that's happening. Oh and uh, Olivia Wilde and the young man who played uh, Mr. Garrett Hudland's son. Yes, Mr. Garrett. I couldn't pronounce his last name. Is that how it goes? Garrett Hudland. 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 It's kind of fun to say, actually. Headland. Headland or headlunch? Headlunch. Uh, uh, I don't know. Head, bam! <laughs> They're both back. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and so is the director. And yeah. Uh, what did you... So uh, I feel like for people who like had watched the original Tron, I think a lot of people were happy that... Uh, was it Tron... What was the name of it again? Uh, Legacy, right? Legacy. Yeah, yeah I yeah, wanted yeah. to call it Destiny for some reason. Tron Destiny. <laughs> Maybe Manifest that's what Tron Destiny. Yeah. We're so, taking over Oregon. Some people, I think, uh, were just happy that Tron Legacy was a thing that was going to get made because like... Tron wasn't, like, super huge back when it came out. You know, it was kind of a cult film for a while. And then, like, because it's a Disney property, it's been kind of just, like, perpetuated for a little bit of time. And it was kind of a surprise to a lot of people that the movie got made. Yeah. Especially some, you know, 20 years later. What did you think of it when you you saw it? Well, that's what I'm getting to. I mean, I feel like it was... It was a little divisive, I feel like, but, Hmm. like, not so much. Maybe it depends on, like, what your feelings were with the original. So the first time I had seen Tron Legacy, I was a fan of the original, but, I mean... I don't know. I was really, I really enjoyed Jeff Bridges because he's great in everything that he does, and How especially because he's just like the dude in Tron. Pretty at this much, point. he's like a yogi, man. Yeah, he's you like, know, he's like super, super zen and everything. But I thought the plot was a little nonsensical, and some of the things, like I didn't like how the light bikes could move in three dimensional space. Yeah, and I, I don't know, some of the other things were kind of contrived. But you know, I thought it was an entertaining movie. Um, but then you know, I watched it about. A year or two later, sure, and I really, really enjoyed it that time. Just kind of like pushing aside like all of the other trivial. You suspended like, your disbelief in something. Yeah, like exactly, that, exactly. Yeah, and I enjoyed it a lot more than on the second viewing. See, some so. of those reasons why you didn't like it, I actually thought was really sensical because if you look at the context of the story, right, it's like everything had gone awry. They've actually built upon this world. You know, yeah. the, the, the computers took over. They've like it, they've become literally almost self-aware within themselves, right. and they've built larger civilization. Um, so a lot of those things made sense to me. I understand because like, if you're a purist, you're like, that's not how it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean, I get that it was like an evolution. And I guess if you look at it from like a video game standpoint, it's like the same as like going from the, the arcade cabinet to like, version of like what like the Tron PS4, would be right? to like the PS4, sure. right? Um, but just as like a video game world, it, it felt kind of weird that there were just like dirty city streets and like rain and there was like a class system yeah. and there was like a It's like also in its Blade stuff. Runner, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's, you know, like this upright, I don't know, it, it seemed kind of weird to me. Yeah. But again, you know, on the second time watching it, I liked it a lot I more. could get over it a lot because of Olivia Wilde. Just, yeah. just, uh, just by her sheer presence. I mean, we got a picture of her right now. Look at those eyes, man. Yeah, and this is just a shoulder up. Good view. Lord. She's, uh, who's she married to? She's married to, uh, isn't she married to Jason Sudeikis? No, Olivia Wilde is dating. Uh, oh no, that's Olivia Munn. Olivia Munn's mm. dating Aaron Rodgers. Mm. Oh really? Olivia, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, good to be a Packer these days. Yeah, I guess so. God, I hate the Packers. Really? Football. Well, you're a Browns guy. When How football season even... starts, we're gonna have a little uh, Raving Geeks football. Your tastes go are just I... irrelevant. You know what's funny? I have a, uh, an NFL comic from Tops. Oh God. Tops made a, an NFL comic uh, where like. They look like Transformers, yeah. kind of. They're like in robot super suits that are football players, of course. and they all fight crime. 
against like an evil organization. Are they just like constantly wearing cleats and slipping yeah, on tile it's, floors? Yeah, it's basically some metaphor of like the Players Association versus the NFL. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's, it's like propaganda. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing in the world. I found it one time. I was just like, I have to buy this. It's got a big NFL like thing where the logo's at. Defenders to. of the Gridiron or yeah, something like that. For something along those Gridiron lines. Guardians. Yeah, remind me to talk about the, uh, the what is it? The, oh, what is it? Satan 6 or something like that? What is that? I'll bring it in one time. We'll look at it on air. Okay. It's basically uh, a comic that has like six writers on it. Frank Miller is one of them mm. and a couple different artists, and it's ridiculous. It's like this, like an aglum of like, this is a collection of like all these like demonic characters being thrown into like a heroic situation. Interesting. And it's, they all like guest write a chapter of it or something? Yeah, pretty much. And they all get a little piece. It's kind of disjointed because of that, just by the sheer nature of them like all having a hand in writing yeah. it. Yeah. But it was, it's pretty ridiculous too. So Jason Stake is a, was I right? Yeah, you were correct. Wow, uh, they've been married since 2011. What a power couple! Which is, wow. I mean, he's not a bad looking dude or anything, but to pull that, uh, and she used to be married to some. He looks like some guy who looks like Sean Penn. Some yeah, that's what I thought. The young Sean Penn. I don't really know who this guy is. Yeah, weird. Well, you know, when you're funny. Ah, Tao Rispoli. <laughs> oh, Tao Rispoli. An Italian spaghetti maker. Wow, are you oh, serious? No, he's filmmaker. a filmmaker, musician. So he makes spaghetti. Yeah. Wow. They were married on a school bus with mm. a pair of only one witness. That's mm. bizarre. Very strange. She's got a weird chick, man. Yeah. No plot details for Tron 3 right now, though. Mm. Um, but I would say I'm excited. Do you think uh, Do you think Daft Punk's going to have a hand in it again? I like their soundtrack a lot. The soundtrack was great. I didn't really like their inflated cameo. Oh, come on, the man. Club. They're the DJs. It was cool for like a minute, but they were in that for like a while. They they got like 10 seconds of screen time. 10 seconds too long for you? 10 seconds is a lot in like movie time. Uh, it was like it was like the camera was on them. And you're like, ah, oh, Daft Punk, sweet. Yeah. And then like the action went away. And then it was like, oh, there's this Daft Punk again. Yeah. And then like it went away again. So we it get like, it. Daft Punk is still there. Playing, playing, playing the soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah. That's cool, but come on. Whatever. But it's funny too when the, when, the, when the fighting started and they get amped up. Like it shows them in there and they're just like nodding their heads. That was cool. You know, they're like, all right, I can dig on this. I've got the soundtrack on my phone. It's I listen to it. Me too. Here, I'm a big Daft Punk fan too. Anyway, and um, interestingly enough, I bring that up with a lot of Daft Punk fans or just electronic music fans in general, and a lot of people hate it. They think it's just really inflated and overblown and just, like, kind of almost what you said about their cameo, you know? Yeah. It well, it's strange. like an epic, like, movie soundtrack. Oh, I think you know? it's great. And it, it, like, escalates and, like, swells, because it, sure. it is a movie soundtrack at the same time. You know, it's not like a dance. Did you ever listen to a band called Tangerine Dream at all? No, that sounds familiar, though. They're, like, kind of like a, like an avant-garde electronic thing in the 70s, 70s, and 80s, right? So, like, real early, like, electro stuff. And a lot of that soundtrack sounds a lot like Tangerine Dream. That's right. why I like it so much. You kind of hear them, like, hearkening on some of that. But mm. good for them, man, you know, yeah. for being such a pioneering group, being able to do such a great soundtrack. And they've stayed relevant for a long time, too. Oh, yeah. They're still, I mean, they're still big. All yep. that Pharrell stuff. <laughs> Too bad they didn't get sued either. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Little Pharrell. Yeah. Little, little Pharrell in his hat. Not really seeing anything about a plot. So. Interesting. Cool. Well, at least that's something we got to look forward to. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, um, Malachi, uh, I'm going to show you some really cool stuff here. Oh, hot diggity. We, uh, we, we decided that we're going to show each other things that we don't know about, that we haven't seen before, uh, to get honest reactions. You guys seen honest, honest trailer reactions on YouTube, yeah. things like that. People do it. There's actually honest trailers, which is a real thing. Those not are just pretty some, funny videos. Not just some amateur crap. But uh, we are amateur crap, and we're going to do it here tonight. Uh, there is an artist uh, named Josep, and mm-hmm. I'm, I hope I'm saying this right, Baizuli, Ooh. with an X. Bizu- yeah, look at this. How do you think you could pronounce that? 
It's B A I X A U L I. I would guess Bazuli. Box lie. Box lie. <laughs> Big slow. Big slow. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Anyway, so he's a comic book illustrator. Uh, Geek Tyrant just posted this stuff, and uh, luckily my friends on the uh, interwebs have uh, transposed it over to Facebook. So I'm going to scroll through here a little bit. We've got uh, some. Uh, what do you think that is? That's the shadow, right? That's the shadow? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of looked like Jonah Hex, but Who not Who knows mutated. what evil lies in the hearts of men? Yeah, there we the go. The shadow knows. The shadow knows. So there's a cool one. It's got this, like, cool red glow to it. Yeah. Very fine, right? Dual gunman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we got up here, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wolverine. I like the, uh, I don't even know what to call it, the, the color blending, I guess you would say. It looks like... Uh, yeah, yeah. Like Renaissance uh, paintings yeah. of, like... Because all of this stuff is very ornate. Yeah, it's like it's like very fine art, almost looking. A little, indeed, indeed, little 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 Alex Ross, a little you know. Ooh, ooh yeah, ooh. I like Alex Ross. I'm trying. Have you ever read Earth X? No. Earth. Okay, so after he got done with Kingdom Come for yeah. DC, and you read Kingdom Come, of right? course. Yeah, it's like kind of just the uh, the next generation. It was kind of like his response to like the nature of the comic book industry in the '90s, right? Sure. And it was like, what would happen if all of these existing heroes, like Superman, Batman, everything. Like, the next generation of heroes came to be. Like, where would they fit in, like, kind of this modern world? And uh, it, it was really, really great, uh, really well-grounded, especially because of Alex Ross's art, which is oh, just, yeah. like, hyper-detailed. And, like, you can see, like, what it would look like if a man in, like, bat tights was running around. Like, it, he makes it look really realistic. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, he made Earth-X as kind of Marvel was like, well, that was great when you would King of Hum do one for us now. Yeah. Kind of in the same style. Sure. Um, so it was like, you know. And you can't escape that style, too. You get Alex Ross to do something, it's going to immediately have that look. It, that it looks very Alex Ross, right? You can't get around yeah. it, which is great, you know. Um, and in this, like, Peter Parker's, like, a fat, retired guy, and Wolverine <laughs> married. should have seen that coming. Wolverine married uh, Jean Grey, and he's, like, Settling down and stuff, and I don't know. It's like really sad and everything. Do you like think they fight? Do you think they bicker? What do you think they would bicker about? They're not a good couple. No, not at all. Jean, I, Jean, a lot of anger. Jean Grey just wants him because Cyclops is a little punk. Yeah. Well, not a punk. I'm sorry. He's too straight laced. Yeah. Goody two shoes, man. Yeah, and Wolverine's like the guy chomping on the cigar. Yeah. Who's like? Oh, they make me a sandwich. You pick, make your own damn sandwich. And that's the thing too. In the book, that like, he's sitting on the couch drinking beers, and she's got her hair in like hair curlers, oh, and wow. it's like very domestic. Wow. What a stereotype. Yeah, but anyway, this kind of reminds me of this a little bit. Cool. So, okay, here's the next one. This one would be good for you. Uh, there's Bullseye throwing some cards with, uh, looks like Electra's sigh. Yep. Probably post-Electra murder. Yep. Probably just right after, too. Yeah. I always thought Bullseye's costume was ridiculous. See, I actually really liked it, and I hated what they did with it in the movie. It made him look, like, super, like, way too realistic for his own good. I, I like it. But at the same time, it's like it's almost too much with like the bullseye on the head, yeah. and then like the rings around the shoulder. I really like in the gloves. He looks like Doctor Manhattan if he was wearing a suit. Yeah, you know. You ever uh, so you know the period of time where Norman Osborn like took over uh, Shield? No. Yeah. So okay. So the Skrulls invade, right? Okay. Shape shifting Skrull aliens, and Norman Osborn is able to kill the Skrull Queen, basically the leader, because Deadpool accidentally gives him the codes to like blow up their mothership or something sure, yeah. while on a mission for C- uh, Nick Fury. So basically Deadpool screws up. Norman Osborn becomes a hero. All of his past is like erased and they're like, wow, oh, you so know, Norman is a great guy. Yeah, so yeah. he leads Hammer, which is like he disbands S.H.I.E.L.D. and leads Hammer and he reforms all of these criminals and he creates a Dark Avengers team. What? And it's got Bullseye as Hawkeye. Really? Yeah, so Bullseye is dressed up like Hawkeye and, you know, he's got super great aim so it kind of fits... 
Uh, Eddie Brock is Spider-Man with okay. the Venom symbiote. Cool. Uh, there is also uh, who else? Oh man, there's a new Captain Marvel, but I forget uh, exactly who she is. Uh, Dakin, who if you're familiar with Wolverine's like son, it's kind of dumb. He's got a son, guys, but uh, he becomes like the Dark Wolverine. Anyway, he, I'm like, so angry. <laughs> he like leads this this like amalgam of villains, and it's really cool. Cool, awesome. So uh, keep scrolling down. We're we're getting to the real good one. I saved I'm saving the best one last because I wanted to see your brain kind of explode <laughs> yeah. on on air. So we got Namer Namer doing some cool stuff. Yeah, with a he's got his trident and like a giant leviathan like yep. uh, tentacle monster fighting an octopus. Yeah, there you go. Got the daredevil himself. This one's pretty cool. Okay, there's some really cool contrast with like the dark red daredevil, just kind of spread jumping, kind of the, some some rim light around his body. Yeah, the skyscrapers. Is there a way that we can uh, we can post these? Probably can't. We can put them on Twitter. We okay. So guys, uh, both Malachi and I have uh, Twitters. We're prolific tweeters mm. uh, from time to time. And uh, mine is at Ben Solis one B E N S O L I S one. And I'm uh, Polar Barrett. Uh, like of course, yeah. Just like the South Pole in my last name. Of course, yeah. R R E T T. Um, when we put up the Facebook posters tomorrow, let's let's put these in here too. Yes, yes, we cool. will. We'll show you guys. That way, you guys can actually see them. Yep, we'll these are really them. cool. So uh, again, Joseph. Boxy, Boxley, Boxley. I hope he like tweets at us and be like, "Listen, you guys just butchered my name." This one's really sweet. That's cool. Okay, so we got Scorpion fighting Captain America, yep, on slashing his shield, some kind of building that's on fire. Yeah, which is interesting. I don't know if Scorpion's ever fought Captain America. He's, nope. he's normally a low-level Spider-Man. Yep. So this is pretty, uh, just you know, run of the mill. Here's uh, Wolverine again getting shot oh, with just covered arrows. in ninja arrows. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's great. Blood everywhere. Kind of cool. Uh, Deadpool. Looking rather uh, demonish. Yeah. He's, is is uh, that what he's supposed to look like underneath all of his, his gear? I mean, he, he's pretty messed up in the face. Yeah, because the guy's – this looks very Walking Dead. It's like – it's Deadpool uh, with, with a shot uh, close up on his face with kind of the left with his gun pointed at you. And uh, good God, look at those teeth. He must be British. <laughs> I'm not sure. Sorry if you're Brit out there. We love you. Uh, here is another Captain America. Oh, that's great. That's him in, uh, in like, World War II punching guys. Yep, punching Nazis while uh, a very ethereal Red Skull hangs in the background. You know what? I wanted to – I don't know if we've had this conversation on the show or not. It reminds, stop me if we did. But what's uh, what's a more realistic – or what's your favorite version of Captain America? Captain, My favorite version Captain of Captain America, America that takes a gun to war or Captain America who fights with a shield in his oh, face? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've talked briefly about this. You know what? Honestly, without the gun, man. You yeah. know? I know that's, like, hyper-realistic and he's in a war and he needs a gun. But, like, he's – He's the he's the super soldier, man. He doesn't need weapons. He needs his arms. Yeah, he I needs mean this. Think about what that like represents. You know, he's the guy that goes to war with like a shield. Yeah. Instead of like a, a he machine could, gun. He's here to protect you instead of murder everybody. I'm on the opposite. I think I think he had to do some. I like to think of Captain America as like a guy who's like burdened by his. I think he did some dirt, man. His role as like a, a super soldier and has to like embody the American spirit. You do you know, think he broke the laws and uh, did some mustard gas? One man? one of one of these guys that like you know is from New York and he goes to fight and he's like kind of changed by like you know the dirty band of brothers type fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, d- agree to disagree, man. Well, you're wrong. You so know that's fine with me. So here's a cool one, uh, Black Adam. Choking the living crap out of uh, Superman. Superman is uh, weak to magic, which Black Adam is. Yep. yep. So yeah. Yep. Okay. So and here is the final one. Are you ready for this? Yes. Guys, yeah, when let's... I saw this, I I, uh, I didn't know what to think. But uh... oh wow! Yeah. This is uh, this is Batman on a snowy winter's eve. <laughs> <laughs> on, on like basically looking like Hoth. Yeah, with the Joker 
gasping for life beneath him. Heath, Ledger, Heath Ledger's Joker. Heath Ledger style Joker. And here's here's the rub, guys. Um, there's blood all over the ground. Batman's holding a gun. Yeah. And he looks like he just shot him. There's smoke. There's a smoky rising. gun. Yeah, I was wondering what that was. He looks like he just just blasted Joker. Just ended it. Yeah. Finally, once and for all, and that is the last one. Wow, is that haunting? Cool. Yeah, we gotta get these up online. Yeah, yeah. So this guy's great. I uh, I thought this was fantastic. So glad I'm glad uh, glad you guys uh, went through that with us. It's kind of nice, you know. Just, so just enjoy your company. So so, so speaking of uh, you know, brain like brain melting, brain oh, melting. Yes. Uh, Malachi, real late in the game, but you know, better late than never. Saw Interstellar this oh, weekend. Right. Yeah. Wow. It took you long enough, buddy. Uh, seriously, when did that movie come out? Like over the summer? Yeah, something like that. Along it's those been, lines. It's been almost a year. Yeah. November. 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 Okay, so that's yeah. not too bad. It's been about six months or so. So I mean it's it wasn't it didn't take me this long on purpose. I just haven't really had time and I don't rent movies very often. Surely. Yeah. And I don't even go see movies in the theater that often either. Yeah. And plus, if you really wanted to get the experience, you had to go drive down to Lansing. Lansing is the nearest uh, IMAX theater. It's yeah. not a true IMAX. You would have to go to Dearborn for that, for the Henry Ford, which I saw it twice. And, but, really? Uh, How much are tickets to that? Oh, that God. Place? Like, at least 13 bucks a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, IMAX got a lot of money from me this summer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we really haven't had a chance to discuss this on air. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the whole time... Malachi was watching this. He was texting me. I slowly watched his brain descend into like just complete madness yeah. throughout time. There was a there was a good like maybe hour in the middle where I I didn't even need to like text him at all. Like no. he just kind of knew what I was going yep. through. I knew I knew I knew what you were there. In fact, I'm gonna pull some of these up. This this is how it started. First one was I'm 10 minutes in to Interstellar. I said prepare to have your face melted, much yeah. as we talked about here. Next, it says, they're explaining the gravity anomalies. I'm on the verge of weeping in front of my whole family. I was, man. Did you? That whole, they really set up the <laughs> love between a man and his daughter at the beginning. And I'm like a sucker for that, man. It's beautiful, man. It was beautiful. Dude, I cried at least, like, And at it's least Matthew McConaughey, 50, and I hate Matthew 50 McConaughey. 15 times in that movie, man. Oh, yeah. He sold it. Totally sold it. I told him, just just wait, just wait, just wait till the end of this. You'll bawl like a baby at the end of the movie. And he said, he's saying goodbye to his daughter. Gah! What is this gah? Like, how do you... This is anguish. If you had to, if you had to like, pronounce it, what would you do it? Gah! <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, it was it was pretty epic. So what so did you think? You said you were, uh, you were a changed man afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, I would say probably my favorite movie. I would say maybe definitely in the top three. As of right now, I would say probably my favorite movie of all time. It was that good to you, huh? It was that good to me, yeah. Yeah. I would say it's better than 2001. A Space Odyssey, which was one of my favorite films in a long time. Sure. Very um, different. Very different film. Now do you understand why I said it was so different? Like, there's yeah. comparisons. It was a lot more human. Very much so. Which kind of was like a thematic thing in 2001 anyway, that like, you know, the, the, the lack machine, of humanity. The, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this was just like so much more like, like cutting to like what the human experience is and like why we have to, and like the sacrifices people make for progress and things yeah. like that too. Absolutely. Um Wow. Yeah, I'm almost at like a loss, man, to like describe it. It was just so good. That's good. That means that it actually moved you. That's uh so I mean, obviously there was all the really cool effects. Christopher Nolan doing stuff with CGI that if you excuse me, I mean, he really doesn't often do. It really yeah. gave him a chance to kind of stretch his wings. What'd you think of the wormhole? The wormhole was crazy, man. Yeah. Okay, so I first uh, the, the spherical wormhole was really cool, and then at the very end when McConaughey goes into the black hole, Gargantian. He, he jettisons himself into into Gargantian. Yeah. I mean that was uh, 
I, I you'd see like the parallel between that and like the psychedelic experience in 2001 yeah. where the guys like becoming the star child yeah, absolutely um and they were similar but like different this was like a lot more grounded i feel like in like technology like yeah. science you know like really real world grounded maybe what it would have kind of looked like than just like you know six strobe lights like going yeah. off in your face oh my god it's a lava lamp <laughs> yeah a lava lamp in my face um, I thought it was interesting too that like in 2001 the the character transcends like kind of humanity or like takes that next step by like becoming less human mm-hmm. you know whereas in this movie um, you know it, it's really integral that he's able to kind of solve the problems of this plot through his humanity yeah you know? absolutely and the coolest thing is too is that it's this idea of love and that was some of the cliches that I talked about originally I think when we were kind of discussing it but you hadn't seen it so yeah. but one of the biggest complaints that I heard from everybody um, which is one of the things that I think is one of the best parts of this movie is, is this idea that love transcends all space and time you know it is the only thing only force in the universe other than gravity that can travel to any place any time and uh that end part where he's in that tesseract, yeah, where he is the ghost. Which I mean, come on, you had, you had I to, saw that coming from coming the from a mile away from yeah. the first time that they showed that, and it was just like, all right, this is obvious that McConaughey is this ghost right. traveling back in time. But um, wow, even just that whole part in that tesseract is I tears, man. See, I don't really get the the criticism of that because it wasn't like it wasn't like his starship was out of fuel and like he used love to like power it or anything. Like it wasn't nearly that hokey. You know what I mean? I think people wanted this movie to be more cerebral than what it was. Christopher Nolan uh, has always been the cool bridge between, like I've said many times on here, or even just to you, is the cool bridge between Kubrick and Spielberg. Which is interesting because I'm actually watching AI for a project right now and I have to pick out the sensibilities of both, which Mm -hmm. is going to be an easy task. But I digress. It's really kind of a cool mix. He really is that bridge. And I think when he announced this movie and people knew what it was going to be like and he was going to travel through space... People didn't want any of those almost Spielberg sensibilities attached to any of this. They, I think they really wanted something that was really cold, hard sci-fi, much like 2001, and it wasn't that. And when it wasn't that, I think that turned a lot of people off because they're like, I, don't wanna, I didn't want to feel during this. You know, which is why it's such a masterpiece because it it makes you feel so much. It forces you to, and you know what? I think it is pretty cold hard sci-fi. They go on a planet where they're there for like an hour and like twenty three years passes yeah. because of the gravity. Well, like see, that's that's a, that's a thing too. Is that I mean, for people who understand what cold hard sci-fi really is, cold hard sci-fi is not just like this emotionless, like you know, almost like Spock driven stuff. It's not like Alien. I mean, Alien is a cold hard sci-fi movie, yeah. but you know, it's not Dread. I would say cold sci-fi is not letting uh, the story drive the science. Exactly. They work the story within the boundaries of science. Sure. And they built the plot kind of around that, you know. And all the technology is very almost like integral to the entire plot too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like it's just there because it's like a society thing. It's like this is w- this is what we need. You know what I mean? So. What did you think about uh, the Matt Damon character? Oh, Matt Damon's a dick. Because I didn't know that he was in that movie. I I kind of knew, but I I had forgotten until I. What went did you to watch What did you it. think when he when he when it showed him when it showed him that he was man? Because when they talk about man in the beginning, they never show his picture. You notice right. that they they show all the other astronauts, and as soon as it gets to man, it's just Michael Caine pointing to his picture. Really? Yeah. So yeah. You, you never really know who this is. In fact, I thought Matt Damon was Tars at first. Because he sounds kind of like Matt Damon. Yeah. Totally different guy. The robots were great. Oh, yeah. Tars, Kip, uh, what, the other case? Case. Yeah. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, so when, when they opened him up, the first literally the first thing I thought <laughs> is you know in Team America, World Police, <laughs> Matt Damon, Matt Damon, absolutely. That was the, literally the first thing I thought. Wow. Um, I liked his character a lot though because I mean he wasn't like just like an evil guy or anything like that. No, this is somebody. A coward. This is somebody who's like stranded on an alien planet all alone for Desperate. like years and years and years and you know he said like I resisted the temptation to call you guys for years but you don't know what it's like to face that kind of survival instinct yeah. and I really like that speech that he had on his way out there about like you know fear and like the survival instinct yeah. and then again when he basically tries to kill Matthew McConaughey when, yeah. and you know he's he's like I, I, I thought I was strong enough to watch I'm not even strong enough yeah. to watch and he's like you know I have you here uh, I'll, he's basically talking to Matthew McConaughey. Sure. Piece. You know, I thought that was really poignant. And there's so there's that little bit where he's like kind of admitting his own failings, right? His own yeah. human failings. Again, back to the humanity and stuff. But it's interesting too when he's when he blows up the airlock when he starts tr- tries to maroon them. Yeah. It's like he's telling Brand and Hathaway's character, you know, all this stuff like don't believe him, don't believe he says I'm doing this for the greater good. Obviously, as a manipulation. Obviously, because he doesn't want to be stopped. But at the same time, he like it's almost like he really believes his own denial. That he's like, yeah, I've kind of screwed you guys over, but like, really, if I get back onto the ship, then I can go, you know, back with the data, and that way we can save everybody. So this right. is kind of for the common good, but really, I'm just scared and I want to be saved. Well, he says that too. He says this is for the mission. He tells Coop that. He tells Matthew McConaughey's yeah. character, you know, which is still, I mean, still, what do you believe? Is that is that a manipulation or is that just a comfortable lie that he keeps telling himself? You know, I think it is a comfortable lie, but he's justified it in the fact that, like, he can lie because that's, like, part of his own humanity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Plus, so this, you know, these, the, the best of us, that, that thread, you know, that he's, yeah. like, the ubermensch, I guess, of the science. Sure. Yeah. But weird. Yeah, actually, when, when they fr- like, first show him and he comes out of that cryosleep and he grabs Matthew McConaughey and starts weeping, yeah. the minute that happened, I knew something was off. I knew something was wacky because they like, did build him up to be this, like, this like idol of you know he was of, the best of them is of what they pure say. astronaut science you know like this almost courageous captain willing to do anything for, yeah. for just you know for the sake of it but when he was weeping like that I was like something's wrong here really sympathetic villain yeah I think yeah so Matt Which Damon. Are the best kind Matt Damon <laughs> Matt Damon's a douche um yeah. wow yeah I'm glad I'm glad you liked it man yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to get my roommates to watch it right now we're we were yeah. gonna watch it yesterday. We just never got around to Very it. Very cool. But well, yeah. they, they sometimes bring some of those movies back into IMAX when IMAX kind of runs out of things. Well, they may not anymore because so many more movies are being shot with IMAX and you know being shown in it now. Yeah. But there was a time where they would just kind of repeat movies. So it, who knows? It might be back in there. So I saw I saw one last little piece of news. <laughs> one that, little one little nugget. One little morsel that you had up there. Yeah. What was that? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the theme of Marvel. Having post-credit jabs, barbs, little teases, has uh, has passed, man. Yep. Avengers Two: Age of Ultron will not have a post-credit scene. It will have a mid-credit scene, which I fail to see much of the difference. Yeah. Uh, Just we just said there will be a mid-credit scene. I guess probably after you know how like after these movies usually there's like a cinematic kind of uh, they show like credits. the title cards and like the couple of cast. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm assuming it'll probably be after that, before it's just the regular old vanilla Then why, vanilla why release that information? It's basically the same thing. Because because yeah, if he didn't and people sat through the entire credits, mm-hmm. like I'm still, no. I'm sure many people are going to anyway, and yeah. I probably will too. Just to see if they're just teasing people you. People are going to be pissed yeah. if there wasn't like an end credit scene. Yeah. So that's probably why he's doing damage control. What the heck, control. man? Which I don't really, I don't get why yeah. there wouldn't be at this point. 
but whatever. I understand it, and we'll see. This I I didn't realize that there was gonna be this mid credit scene. Yeah, I thought it was just kaputs in general, which I was like, okay, this is kind of cool because it's almost like a fade to black until like the end of the Marvel universe as we know it so far in in the movie universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. As soon as Civil War comes out, I mean it's it's curtains, man, absolute curtains. But yeah, fantastic. I'm you know I don't know what do you think that's gonna do to them? I mean. Do you think people are really that pissed off about it? I think people would be. I think there'd be a lot of outrage. Yeah. Not like people are going to be burning down his house, but like, you know how... You know, angry, We're done! You know, you know how angry people on the internet get? You ruined my life! That'd be in every review, probably, of that movie, that there's no end credit scene. But there's like, no oh, end credits. Oh, I had my popcorn. 50, 55 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, seriously. Wow. wow. I don't know. I guarantee 90% of the audience stays through the whole thing anyway. Yeah. Guarantee it. Yeah. Well, guys... Uh, here we are again at the end of our show. Thanks again. Like I said, we uh, Malachi and both said we will post these pictures of the Joseph Boxuli, Boxalai, Boxalai, Lion Box. And so you will see us again. Our Twitter handles are at Bensolis One and at Polar Barrett. And uh, we'll always be uh, in the Geekin Universe. Same bat time, same bat channel. 